0: Welcome to the Map Out Money podcast where we help you use your money to do more of what matters. You're listening to episode number 78.
1: Today's episode is sponsored by Ahead in 100. This is our group coaching program uh, to help you actually get ahead with your money in 100 days. So at the time of this episode, we should be opening up Ahead in 100 soon. If you go to Aheadin100.com, you'll either get a registration page for our next group or you'll get a uh, waitlist page to sign up to be notified when we open up. This program is a 100 days with three phases to help you learn how to track your money, then create a plan based on your own sort of unique life vision and values, and then ultimately spend according with that plan and make sure that you're using your money towards the things that really matter to you. So if you would like help in doing that, we'd love for you to check out that program. Again, it's called aheadm100.com.
0: So this is our final Q&A episode, and this one is kind of more of like the personal life-related questions. Yeah, we
1: got a lot of uh, a lot of just random personal questions, which was kind of fun. And then we had a, a number of people asking about our new property that we're under contract for, so we'll give a, a brief update on that as well. Um, so this one... I don't honestly know that there's going to be a lot in here that's actionable takeaways, but uh,
0: (laughs) if you're curious, if you're
1: curious to know uh, more about us, then you'll like this episode.
0: If not, skip it. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So um, walk us through a week in your life. What's it like to be Nick and Hannah true? I have a rough idea of your business, content creation, budget coaching, um, leading cohorts in online classes, et cetera. Um, Yeah, that was the end. I I was reading that like that wasn't the end, but yeah. So, general idea, but walk us through a, a week.
1: I mean, honestly, we haven't had a typical week, consistent week in...
0: In a long time. A long time. And that's honestly and a, a half, big part of why we moved. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, maybe the the preface I'll give to this is something that we've been talking about is um, if you have followed along with our emails and stuff, you know that one of our big goals for this year was to make Mapped Out Money a content machine. <laughs> <laughs> and it feels like we've taken like a bajillion steps backwards in that area because as soon as we kind of set that as our goal, then we ended up kind of blowing up our entire life and going. Actually, you know what? We feel like we need to move to Knoxville, but a big part of that is to is stability, improve our ability to, to work on the business. And, yeah, yeah. I mean, so for the past.
1: uh ever when we since we started moving in alabama since we started living in alabama we basically were on which was about 18 months yeah about 18 months ago we were on the road um to visit family and or friends or some form or fashion of that
0: mostly family mostly
1: family for i mean almost almost every six weeks
0: at least. You say that. It was way more than that. You think so? I Sometimes you I especially. would go without Nick. Yeah, you But especially. it felt like most months it was at least two. There were at least two trips in every month. And a lot of times, like, since we are self-employed and we can work remotely, like, we would just take stuff with us take and go for, like, a week yeah. or even two weeks or, we you know, whatever. But um, we – it left us feeling like we had no regular sort of schedule. But – um we are super close with our families and we're blessed to have a lot of our grandparents still alive. And so when you factor that into like, not only are we trying to see, you know, parents and siblings and nephews um, we've also got grandparents that we want to go see. And so it's just to, to be able to go hit everybody and um, just for different circumstances, like it ended up being that people weren't coming to see us as much Um, we needed to go to see people Um, and so yeah it was just a lot of traveling and a lot of disruption and we kind of just came to that point of feeling like our life has felt so disheveled and like we really don't want to continue Mm -mm. living in this way and we're not able we're not able to have um, the type of routines and things that we want to have in place and so we've talked about how this decision to move um, Nick You've compared it to like a slingshot and like, you know, pulling the slingshot back. So we are kind Seems of moving Seems like we're backwards. going in the wrong
1: direction in terms of, you know, stability and creating content because we blew up our whole life to move.
0: And have had a lot to deal with yep. because of that. Um, but we're kind of setting ourselves up to be able to slingshot forward. Hopefully that's the, that's the plan. Right. So, you know, we'll see if it works. Um,
1: that being said though, to try to give you some kind of answer as to what a typical week looks like. So, you know, for map.money for our business, our business consists, basically you can think of it at a high level of like two parts. There's, the content that we create to draw people in and give them free material like this podcast to help them with their money, podcast, YouTube, book club every now and again, um, you know, emails, that kind of stuff. And then there's the delivering of our main service, which is one-on-one coaching and a group coaching program where we actually help people better manage their money. So what a typical week looks like is we have what I would call time blocks, if you will, just a number of types of tasks, right? Like scripting or filming or, in your case, a lot of editing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also have, for me, one-on-one coaching, and then we have email support, and then we have um, group coaching. And so each week, what a typical week looks like, is we meet early on in the week, sometimes on Sunday evenings, sometimes on Monday mornings, and we lay out what what's going on this week, Like, we kind of map out with with our calendar, like, okay, Nick's got coaching with, you know, these people on this day from these times, and then we're thinking we're going to try to record a podcast or two on this day. We're thinking that we might go to a coffee shop and work to do scripting for a video on this day for the last six months, it's been a lot of, okay, we're moving this, we're working on the this project for the house, we're painting that, right? So it's working in all the house projects too. And then of course, any other like random lifestyle stuff of like, you know, visiting this person or whatever that's happening this week. And so every week does look a little bit different, but we always have almost like a go-to mix of of time recipes or time tasks or blocks that each week we sort of plug in what needs to be done when, and then I live and die by my Google Calendar.
0: You yeah. Know. Um, is there anything else more specific you want to say there? I think
1: the only other thing that maybe is interesting to share with y'all would be we do have an ideal that we're aiming for, and so as part of our vision planning that we do quarterly, um, we have written out what we want our ideal week to look like. Once we get into our building, um, what what a goal would look like, what certain times of day we would wake up. And right now we have found for us, maybe this is interesting, we've tried out a number of different morning routines, and we have found that so far, we haven't even done this a ton yet, but so far the thing that I think is going to work the best for us is up early 5 to 5.30 and coffee and Bible study first. We have tried— to get up early, work out first, then come home, shower, then coffee, Bible study. And we found that it just doesn't work as well for us. We tend to either want to sleep in. We don't—the idea of getting up and immediately hitting the workout is, like, less enticing. It yeah, also it's makes it harder to get out of bed to it do It also that. makes the Bible study easier to skip mm-hmm. um, if we get up a little later. And we've just found for us, if we know, like, I'm getting up and I get to have coffee immediately— and we get to sit down and do Bible study together, which is something that we enjoy doing. Yeah, it makes getting out of bed early easier, and it sets us up for consistency through the rest of the day. And honestly, if I'm going to skip anything, I'd rather skip the workout than the Bible study. So, yeah, for sure, in terms of a routine, we try to start every single day with up five to five thirty, coffee, Bible study, workout, shower. Then we get into either working or whatever it is we're doing for the day. Yeah. Um.
0: And like we said, we're kind of like transitioning to that schedule. So right now, like we've kind of been getting up maybe around six to seven. Yep. um, But that's kind of starting. It gets our day started off a little late late. by the time we get through everything. So, yeah, we're working to kind of move that earlier. Um, The other thing there is just I like um, the I, I don't know. I don't know what you would call it, but I like that, you know, The thing that we say is our top priority, like our relationship with God, that's what we're doing first. Yeah,
1: there's something symbolic for us about doing that first, I think.
0: And also the fact that, like, we're doing it together, then, okay, there's our number two priority, our relationship with each other. So I think it is, like, powerful to start your day that way. Um, And then um, Gabby Reese talks a lot about, like, for her, like, exercising, you know, is like putting on her armor for the day. And we have talked that it definitely feels that way for us. Like if we get up and we do our Bible study together and we, um, you know, do a workout together and then we get into our day, like it feels like we've like put our armor on to like to deal with what the day brings. To prove
1: that point, we just had, we just had, I don't know if fights, maybe not the right word, but we had a more stressful day a couple of days ago even. And we were just on edge and just kind of like just kind of irritated, irritating with each other. Um, and we and, had and not we gotten had up. not gotten up and done our Bible study and worked out that day. Yep. And we got up later, and we didn't ground ourselves for the yep, day. Definitely. So for us, an ideal week consists of starting each day with that, but then flexibility on all the other stuff in a way.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I'll say is that you know education is also a big like one of those kind of time blocks mm-hmm. for us too. Yeah. And like idea generation. So. Yes. Um, that is something that I think we have struggled to fit in in the past 18 months and something that we're trying to be mindful about adding in um, once we're settled in Knoxville. Because, I mean, even just like being able to get on the podcast and talk about things, a big part of that is like reading and thinking. Yeah, and, we need um, to have input
1: to stimulate new ideas. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And uh, otherwise, you know, we're not we're not very interesting on our own. Mm-mm. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think I have anything else to say there, do you?
1: Nope, I think that's good.
0: Okay, so along those same lines, when life things take you out of your routine, like travel, new business opportunities, or illness in the family, how do you keep up your budgeting practice? Or better yet, when your routine has been sidelined for some time and doesn't work anymore, how do you create a new routine?
1: So I think the first thing I would say here is my number one goal when it comes to habits and routines is to try and get to a point with the core habits and routines that I almost feel like not myself if I'm unable to do them. Um, meaning, like, so what, like, let's take working out or eating healthy as an example. A lot of people, that always feels like a battle. And if you miss a week or two because life threw you some curveballs, you actually don't mind too much. You're like, you know, like, it's kind of nice. And where I'm going with this is like with certain things, I actually want to create during times of stability. I want to create such a strong habit that I start to feel icky when I'm unable to do it because then I will do whatever it takes to make sure I'm at least grounding myself in that. So good example of like we just talked literally later that day, the day we were just talking about where it's like kind of at each other all day. Not our best day. Not our best day. It's like – Uh, we both were like, yeah, we didn't even do Bible study this morning. Like, okay, so tomorrow, like, we have to get up and do that. And so we can feel that, right? In the same way that most people won't go too long without brushing their teeth, you just start to feel kind of gross. Like, you don't have to put brush your teeth on your to-do list. The goal would be to get your habit of budgeting or your habit of reading your Bible or working out or whatever it is that helps, you know, that you're trying to stay grounded to when life throws you these curveballs. It's like, Getting icky. Like I, li- I literally can't go a couple of days without balancing the budget. Yeah, I start feeling
0: off. I think one of the big keys here is like morning routines have become like a thing. Yeah, right. And people have these like really long detailed morning routines. And I think for most people, that's just not very practical. Mm -mm. And so I think that boiling it down. So like Nick and I, like our morning routine is not that we have to do an hour of Bible study and an hour of working out. Like sometimes it might be. Um, a 10-minute Bible study Mm -hmm. and a 15-minute workout. Yep. Like, but it's just, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna be in God's Word and we are going to move somehow. So, you know, it can be, each of those things can take an hour each or each of those things can take five minutes each. Um, But they still kind of provide that element of like putting on your armor for the day and, um in times of instability they help to give you a little bit of stability because you're like okay everything else is going crazy but i can still like count on doing these two things every morning
1: and the same thing with like this person had asked you know about like keeping up your budget for example um especially with you know what new business opportunities or changing things around it can feel really easy to just like especially when you're moving you've got Mm -hmm. so many expenses it can seem really easy just to punt the budget And what I would tell you in that scenario is at the very minimum, commit to at least tracking through that time of instability. So even if you're not 100% sticking to the budget and you're having to cover a lot of overspending, at least commit to tracking your money and making sure you're categorizing stuff and staying on top of that. And even during your most crazy moving times, if you do this every day, it literally should take you less than five minutes. Yeah. So do it while you eat a quick bite or drink a cup of coffee. Um, have it on your phone, make it really, really, really easy. And so this goes back to like James Clear Atomic Habit stuff of, you know, scaling the habits that you're playing with, like you just said, and then making the ones that are necessary super simple yeah, um, and easy to, to do so that at least you can do some version of that habit, even if it's not the full-blown thing you would like to do.
0: So the last part of this, when your routine has been sidelined for some time and doesn't work anymore, um, how do you create a new routine? And um, I think we are so much like a broken record so often, but just like we talk about with your budget, in order to build a budget that you're going to stick to and that your is realistic and actually going to help you get to where you want to go, you have to be really clear on your vision. Mm-hmm. So I think the answer to this question starts with vision, you yep. know, and like, what are your priorities And then, like we said, I think that's a great place to start building your routine from. So, like, if we say that our number one priority is our relationship with God, does our day reflect that? Does our routine reflect Reflect that? that. Um, And so I think that that's a really great way to structure it. And we've, like you said, we've, like, worked our way through this. Like, when we moved to Fairhope, we joined a gym and we're going to, like, a really early morning workout class and tried that out. And... Um, there were elements of that that we liked and we really loved our gym and our gym community but we when we moved we were like you know what we actually think we want to shift the the order that we're doing these mm-hmm. things in and um so far that seems to work better so for like us. from an
1: optimistic perspective the way this question is phrased of when your routine isn't working anymore because it's been sidelined due to new life changes um don't feel bad about that yeah like actually use that as an opportunity to go okay look like let's Let's reimagine this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and James Clear talks about that, like when you're seeing, when you're moving or doing a big life change, that's actually a great time to implement a new habit or a new routine because you've already got.
0: Well, you're in a new environment. New environments, yeah. new things going on. Because he talks about it, um, I forget the exact analogy he uses, but the one that I'll use is like like a trail in the woods. Like if you've walked that same path over and over again, you know, in your Environment, it's kind of hard to like all of a sudden change that habit. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like if you're just already you've got a blank slate, if you like just moved or just had some other big change. So yeah, like you said, it's a great opportunity to go. Okay, what are the things that I want to be doing that I haven't been doing? What are things I want to stop doing that I was doing and um, work from there. Totally. Next question: What are your enneagram numbers? Um, and it says if you're familiar with the enneagram, how has learning about it helped you in your marriage? Business and life in general. So, the honest answer to this question is, we were super into the Enneagram for a little while.
1: So, can I can I open this one up? Sure. Because I, I got real into it.
0: Yeah, Nick did get very very. I got into very
1: it. into it. So, I read a book about it. I don't know what three, four years ago now, twenty eighteen mm-hmm. maybe. And it might have been twenty seventeen. Uh, it's been a while, and I, I got real into it. Um, and and it. it Made sense to me at the time because it suited my personality, right? Like, I love, uh, like, the idea of being able to, like, understand and put, like, these boxes and very neat sort of organizational things and help me understand the world around me and the people around me.
0: People are guessing your Enneagram number right now based on you saying this. Based on me
1: saying this. So uh, according to the Enneagram, I'm one and Hannah is a 2 but um, – and I, I will say this. I think that there are aspects of the Enneagram that were helpful. There were things about it that I did find true or at least partly true and usable. And uh, I, got, I got real sucked into it. We have – and feel free to jump back in here. But we have since sort of dialed back our love of the Enneagram, I guess.
0: Well, basically, so, okay – Long story short is we were spending a lot of time on Enneagram stuff and not spending a lot of time studying our actual Bible. Totally, um, And so we kind of felt like, uh, just personally, like we should be spending more time in our Bible yes. first before we're focusing on something like that. Because
1: the Enneagram, especially in the Christian community, is held up as this tool that could be used to help you explain your relationship with God, the way you are, sins you struggle with. Like, it it sort of is uh, promoted as that. And we just tend to believe that for the most part, the best thing that you can be doing to improve your relationship with God is to actually go read scripture.
0: Yeah. Um, And... One of one of the big things that kind of made us change how we were thinking about the enneagram and how much we were focusing on the enneagram was um, Elisa Childers, and she did a I think it's a video and maybe a podcast, uh, but she did this episode with somebody that I had never heard of, Mar- Marcia. I don't know. I can't pronounce her last name, but it was. Is the enneagram a Trojan horse in the church? And so, basically, I listened to it, and um, I didn't do, I didn't know, do enough research on this on my own to like figure out where I really stand on that. To be perfectly honest, but it was just kind of like, I know that the Bible is a great source of wisdom and like the best place that I can go to to build my relationship with God. And so, if I know that, then why don't I just go straight there? instead of going through the Enneagram. Um, and then uh, the other thing that I'll say there is it kind of, I think this was a little bit of a wake-up call for me in general. And again, I'm not hating on the Enneagram in particular. I'm just making a general statement here. Um, I've heard, so I heard this analogy from Dave and Ashley Willis, and they have a podcast called The Nick and Marriage, And they were talking about how I think they interviewed or maybe they listened to an interview with this guy who he worked for the FBI and his job was to identify counterfeit money. And so somebody asked him like, oh, man, you must have like really studied all of the different counterfeits that are out there. And the guy was like, "Oh no, no, no! I don't. I never study the counterfeit. I study the real thing so much that like my I just automatically recognize a counterfeit without even trying to. Like my hands are so used to touching like a real hundred dollar bill that I can touch a fake one and not even know exactly like what I'm picking up on, but go like "Mm, this doesn't feel right. This isn't it. And so it did kind of make me reflect on my relationship with God and knowledge of the Bible and go." Do I have a knowledge of, like, the real thing, the the Bible, to where when there's something that's a counterfeit, like, I detect it without even – maybe not even exactly knowing, like, what it is to be – you know, at first. But just kind of, like, the red flag goes up, and then you dig into it and figure out, like, oh, oh, okay. there's something. Yeah. And um, I definitely felt convicted that, no, I I did not. And so I've – that's something that I'm trying to work on. But so – you know, maybe the Enneagram is great. Maybe it's not. I, I really don't know. We, we kind of, I don't know. We what just I'm, paused our intensity yes. with it, I guess. Yeah, that's and, a good way and, to say
1: it. And step back and, and sort of reassess um, how much time and effort we were spending on, you know, reading books about it and that kind of thing. So yes. that's our thoughts on the Enneagram. Yeah. Anything else on that?
0: Um, I, I will say this isn't, about the enneagram, it's about how people apply the enneagram, and I've heard other people say this. This isn't a novel thought, but just how people kind of like lock themselves into this box of like, oh well, for me, I'm a two, so I function this way. Um,
1: well, I think what you're getting at right is that people can use it. This is like a John Crisp death,
0: almost as like an excuse, um, as an
1: excuse, right? And so um, I think that. When used well, something like an enneagram would tell you your strengths and weaknesses. Very similar to a strengths finder in that mm-hmm. way. That would tell you these are the things you're good at. These are the things that maybe you're you're not so good at, and mm-hmm. these are some blind spots that you have. And what we have seen happen is people take the well. I'm just I'm a, I'm three, so therefore you know X, y, and Z. It's like whoa. whoa this is no. very that doesn't give you that doesn't give you an excuse to then act in a certain rude or uh, bad or. Um, unethical way, just because that's your bent. Well, that doesn't and make not any even sense.
0: not even like really unethical, but even even like, um, is it a seven that is like the fun lover? Or yeah, what? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so oh, like, I'm a fun lovers. So uh, I don't I, need to be
1: responsible with yeah, money. Yeah, I just something. don't need like, like, to be yeah.
0: responsible. It's just how I am, you know. Yeah. And it's like, well, I mean. It, sure maybe because i could
1: say that about a one right well i'm a one so i'm a rule follower and judgmental yeah so i just judge you and yeah. like that's i don't need to make that better about me that's just that's just what i am yeah babe.
0: so again i'm not saying everybody <laughs> uses it that way i just i feel like it sometimes is used that way and it becomes this very like people wearing a t-shirt with like a i am a two and like just really embracing like mm. this is who i am and um,
1: At the end of the day, the only place that we believe you should be finding your identity is in Christ, and so anything that starts to become too much of an identity, we got to be careful with. Yeah. All right. Next, we got some rapid fire questions, like just kind of some quick ones. So we'll kind of go through these um, quickly, and uh, just kind of I don't know, they're fun. So, what tools do you use to track your work goals, progress, etc.? Apps, task managers, SaaS, anything like that. We have tried a ton over the years. I'm a sucker for a good (laughs) software tool. Uh, I have rebuilt our management task to do thing in like 18 bajillion different ways. I can spend way too much time on it. These days, honestly, the thing that has been working the best for us is going back to pencil and paper.
0: Yeah, we've been using the Michael Hyatt's full focus planner. And love
1: it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we that has really worked well for us. It's helped us get on the same page. We do have to have some digital stuff, especially when we work with people that aren't, you know, each other in the same room. And so we do use a couple of tools. We use like Milanote for content planning. Um, we obviously use Gmail and some plugins in Gmail to help us manage our email support. Um, you know, and then for, there's a number of different random software tools we use to run the business. But in terms of, like, overall, like, planning or task management, um, spreadsheets for finance, YNAB for budgeting, Michael Hyatt's vision planner for day-to-day tasks and stuff, and then Google Calendar for the overarching, like, timeline.
0: And then, um... I'm blanking on the name of the time Pomodoro timers. Oh, yeah. So you have an app that you use for it. And I actually ordered this little timer. Yeah. Clock on um, Amazon. And it I guess it has it has six sides. I was like sitting here thinking in my head. I was like, "Mm, how many sides does it have? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And you what's a six
1: sided object (laughs) called.
0: Hexagon, I think I don't even know. Oh, my gosh. You just well, now I got to look it up. So
1: it looks like a stop sign. It's got to be a hexagon, right?
0: Yes. Look at you. I know. I, I won that. You didn't even know. Okay. um. But anyways, you turn it on different sides. So like one side, you turn it and it starts a 15 minute timer for you. One side's 30, one side's 60, you know, whatever. And then there's like a five minute side. So using it like a Pomodoro thing, you know, I turn it on like maybe the, the 30 minute side, work for 30 minutes, and then do, you know, five minute break or whatever. And then, when that goes off, go back to the thirty minutes and you do that for like what, two hours is a couple kind of hours the and take a longer yeah. break or
1: whatever. But yeah, we found Pomodoro type timers are helpful. Super helpful. Yeah.
0: I don't really stick strictly to the Pomodoro structure, but even just having Just like the alternating, like the 30 and the five, it's really helpful because if I'm doing something and I've got that 30-minute timer running and I'm like, oh, I'm going to go look at this thing on my email, I'm like, oh, no, I'm in my 30-minute time. If if I want to go look at that, I can do it during my five-minute break. Um, And there's just mentally, it just helps you stay on task for some reason.
1: A ton. The next question is similar. What phone apps can you not live without? So, I mean, a budgeting tool. Right now, it's YNAB. I definitely can't live without that um health tracking tools i'm big on those so right now i use a garmin for my garmin for running and then whoop for our overall like heart rate yeah we
0: both use whoop and really um, like it
1: i really like that um <laughs> this is not financial advice uh, i'm currently really enjoying an app called step oh which gosh. is a crypto nft running walking app basically you go walk or run for 10 minutes a day and you buy an NFT sneaker, which is a picture of a sneaker, and you hold your phone, and uh, you earn crypto while you walk, which is super cool. And then I uh, transfer that out when, you know, buy Solana with it. So anyways, but this is not financial advice. Be very it is careful. Not.
0: And the picture of the sneaker is very expensive. So just it's very expensive. keep that in mind.
1: Um, people have lost a lot of money on this app, but I'm having fun with it.
0: Yeah. Nick, Nick likes to use his spending money for things like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, then one of the other apps that we're really liking for workouts is the street parking app. Yes, big fan. Um, and they're kind of like CrossFit style workouts, but with minimal equipment and, um, we have just loved it. And it keeps things interesting and it's nice to like not have to think about what we're doing. Like we just get up and look at the app and they tell us what to do. Um, and then along those same lines, um, I still really like the 12 minute athlete app and it's really helpful even just from a, um, interval timer perspective to you
1: i have two more uh flow which is my pomodoro app that i use and then the other one is um a authenticator app hannah does not use these but if you want to be secure on the internet you must you need to start using two-factor authentication and have some sort of authenticator app on your phone if you have no clue what i'm talking about go check out my friend josh's channel on youtube called all things secured um, but I use the Microsoft Authenticator, and it allows me to super stay secure on all of our financial websites. So, can't live um, without that.
0: Side note, I was going to say this in, in the last question, because you mentioned Milanote, Um And then I just saw the Millenote app on my phone, which they they do have an app, but honestly, I don't use it a ton. But the other thing that Millinote is nice for is, um, like, our decorating-type projects and even, like, with the building. So, In Milanote, you have, like, different kinds of – well, you've got boards, and then you can put, like, different elements on your board. And so you can mix, like, text and pictures and things like that. And so it's really helpful as far as, like, a design mood board Mm -hmm. type thing and then just keeping ideas together in one place. So I've liked it for that in addition to content planning.
1: Last uh, one, which I can't remember I didn't – I can't uh, believe I didn't remember on the last question is Rome Research for me, which is a – note taking integrated note taking tool Um, similar to notion but I think better if you're just trying to do strict notes Um, so if you take a lot of notes on things you're reading things you're learning or just want to have somewhere to take a lot of notes I really like Rome
0: for that okay next one what hobby or sport are you interested in trying but haven't taken the plunge yet and this one is from Kylie, and she says that her and her husband just started trying pickleball for the first time about five weeks ago, which is a lot longer than that now, but um, that they're hooked. So thanks, Kylie.
1: I mean, pickleball is awesome. Um, I've played twice now, and it's really fun. So I think that's cool that y'all are doing that. Uh, for me, it'd be jiu-jitsu. I've been wanting to get into jujitsu for a long time. I feel fairly confident that I will really like it. I don't know that I'll be good at it, but I think I will really like it. And ultimately, I just once I do it, I know I'm going to want to be able to go three times a week in order to stay consistent with it. And so I just haven't pulled the trigger on it yet, because I haven't felt like I had the stability yet to commit to it. But it's something I want to get into maybe later this year, if not early next year.
0: Yeah, mine's pottery, because I started doing pottery in Fairhope. And then now that we've moved, like, um, I'm not doing it right now. And there is a pottery studio pretty close to the building that we're hopefully buying. Um, But we're kind of just entering into a season of a lot yeah, going on and so kind of pausing that for now and maybe revisiting it um maybe maybe in a year or so like once we've kind of got the building settled and um are kind of a little bit more into a routine and you know once we've got MapTop top money functioning as a content machine <laughs> of so, course all right what are some of your favorite quotes
1: i mean i feel cliche talking about the man in the arena. <laughs> but because Brene Brown kind of stole that, Brene Brown just like super popularized it. I heard about it before Brene Brown. So hipster. So I'm so hipster so about hipster this right now, but I do. I love I love the man in the arena from Teddy Roosevelt. I'm not going to repeat it on this sh- podcast. Y'all can go look it up, but uh, I love it because uh, critics really bother me. And I really like this idea of critics not being the ones who count. It's the people who are actually in the arena trying new things and putting themselves out there and putting their life on the line to try something that I love. What about you?
0: Um, I feel like I'm also going to be cliche because I'm going to give a Bible verse. But it's because um, we just kind of randomly decided to do the Joshua Precepts Bible Mm study study um, forever ago. Like we took forever to do that Bible study because we did it just like a teeny tiny bit on most days. Um, but it ended up, so we chose that way before we ever decided to move. Um, and then it just ended up feeling like it was the perfect Bible study for us to be doing at that period Mm -hmm. in our life. And, um, so, we we basically have a verse from that that we really like and i would recite it from memory but i don't have it totally memorized so i'm going to look it up and read it so that i get it right um this is joshua 1 verses verse 7 so it says only be strong and very courageous being careful to do according to all the law that moses my servant commanded you do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go so, um, yeah, that was just what stuck out, one of the verses that stuck out to us from our study of that book. And um, I think it's one, it's definitely one, like, I've got it, you know, like, written down beside my computer and uh, one that I want to commit to memory really well, even just to reflect back on, like, how faithful God has been to us through, um, through like, the ups and downs mm-hmm. of deciding to move and um, just the stressors, you know, of, of that decision and the uncertainty that we felt at certain times. But, um, yeah, so just reflecting back on that and God's faithfulness and that we can always count on that.
1: I have, um, I have two more that I'll share briefly. Uh, one is from the book Dune, which I really like. I've talked about it before as, uh, fear is the mind killer, fear is the little death that leads to total obliteration. And to me, I've always taken that to be like, especially as a Christian that I can, I don't need to be fearful. I don't need to be worried. And I can let God take that fear away from me. And oftentimes so much of your doing or success in anything really does have to do with your mindset towards it. And if you start to let that fear creep in, that quote is so true that it it basically leads to a paralysis and it it basically becomes a little death that then leads to total obliteration with whatever it is that you're attempting. So I really like that. And then the, the last one I'll share is this quote from GK Chesterton, which I really like, which is very similar to the fear. You'll notice mine are all like very similar. Uh, <laughs> it's very like stereotypical, like mm, man quotes. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> this one is um, – Courage is almost a contradiction in terms. A soldier surrounded by en- enemies, if he is to cut his way out, needs to combine a strong desire for living with a strange carelessness about dying. He must seek his life in a spirit of furious indifference to it. He must desire life like water and yet drink death like wine. I read that quote when I was, like, 16. I thought it was the most, like, <laughs> awesome, killer quote I'd ever heard in my life. And... Um, just really um, very true when it comes to having courage to do a lot of things. Um, and it's, again, very similar to the man in the arena, right? You've you got to have the courage and the desire to do something. But if you only had a desire as a soldier to, like, for your life, and, and that was the overwhelming desire was for your life to live, that would actually lead you to being paralyzed and then probably end up getting you killed.
0: Yeah. Uh, I would like to say that you have all of these under a rapid fire section, and we are horrible okay. at rapid fire. I'm like, we are talking so much. Well, let's keep cruising um, then. <laughs> <laughs> what are your favorite films and why?
1: Warrior. Uh, it's a tale of two brothers and their father. It's a drama slash man punch each other movie. You know, it's like a good mix of that because it's got this like dynamics of the relationship with these two brothers that are estranged for like 10 years due to their parents divorce and all the dynamics around that. It also has some falling out with their dad and the relationship that they are able to rekindle there. There's also a lot of parallels between um, the sort of Christian story and also this movie, which is really cool. Um, And it's all in the setting of this, um, this MMA tournament where these two brothers who haven't talked in 15 years end up having to fight each other in this tournament. And, It's really cool. I love that movie. And um, that's the kind of movies that I like. It's sort of this um, greater meeting but still have
0: some – Intensity. I felt like that was like a really deep answer. Um, mine is Jaws, partly, <laughs> partly because I just grew up watching that movie a lot, and I guess my parents liked it. I guess my dad in particular liked it. Um, and I, I just we so love the beach. What I was going to say what's funny
1: about you with Jaws is that you like Jaws not because of the movie. I mean, you like the movie, but like it's actually because of the relationships of what the movie represents to you.
0: Yeah, probably. Yeah, like a sentimental kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, but then I also love. Of it even more now because like last year we were staying at a at a campground um close to the beach but on the bay and i had this pier that like went out in into the bay you know and i was reading jaws and so i would go out at night and sit at the end of the pier with my book light and read jaws um and that was just that was fun and so that made me love the the movie even more Um, And then also I heard um, there's this podcast called You Are a Storyteller and one of their episodes they dissected like the story of Jaws and why that was such like a hit movie and that made me love it even more. So you know you love what what you learn about and study you love more you know I'm definitely like that and so yeah I just my my love of Jaws has just grown as I've grown. (laughs)
1: <laughs> but I mean, we like a lot of movies, you know. I like a lot of different genres of movies, so we can sit around and talk about movies a lot. But oh, oh, I got to say one for the for the purposes of this podcast. If you not ha- if you have not seen Confessions of a Shopaholic, that is the best like Chick-fil- chick flick movie of all time. Uh, synopsis of the story is woman who shops a lot gets a job as a journalist for a magazine, writing a finance column, and through the financial education she has to put out in this magazine she ends up turning around her own finances it's awesome
0: okay but he left out the most important part that she falls in love uh, that's, not with her boss. <laughs> <laughs> that's not interesting
1: that's not interesting what's interesting is that this woman gets her finances totally turned around through this educational process of writing about money it's awesome
0: <laughs> okay um do you have anything on your channel about how you were saved while not on topic it's something i try to find out when i meet other believers
1: uh, we don't have anything on our channel about this that I'm aware of. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I can give a, a brief synopsis for myself. You know, Hannah and I are super blessed uh, to have grown up with parents who are believers and who had us in church very early on. And um, I, was, I was saved at a young age. What I would say for me is maybe the most interesting part of that story is I, again, was very blessed— in college, to have a college pastor who was really, really good at um, challenging beliefs and and really helping us think through like why we believe what we believed, and we spent a whole year studying other world religions and going through them, and and there was a time where I was I was not necessarily doubting, but I was certainly trying to really understand for myself my faith and. And so while I was saved at a young age, I would say that um, I really was able to start um, coming to my faith uh, in my own, in a way, um, in college.
0: Yeah. Mine, mine is very similar. You grew up doing more like in-depth Bible studies Mm -hmm. than I did because you had that as part of your homeschooling curriculum. Um, and I didn't have anything like that, but did like, you know, go to church regularly. And I don't remember a time of like not believing, um, which is like not a very exciting answer. Like I feel like most of the time people want to hear like, this moment you know yeah um and i I don't feel like I have that um but grew grew up believing and then when I got to college um, I would say like really matured in my faith of pursuing that without any not because anybody else was encouraging me to do so but because I wanted to mm-hmm. and you know I definitely not to be cheesy but you know like God pursues us before we pursue him. And so I think that like my eyes felt really open to that in college. Like, man, God has like protected me from from so much, um, even though I've, I've done a lot of things the wrong way and just like how, how loving he's been towards me. And so it made me want to love him more and know him more, you know. And then I think like we've talked about before, just between the two of us, like, I just look back on how much we've matured even from, from there, but that how, how God rewarded even that small amount of effort that both of us were doing, like before we met each other, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, yeah, I don't know. Is there, was that a complete thought? Is there more to add there?
1: No, I think, I think that's, uh, yeah, I think that's the story.
0: All right. Good ideas for a game night for two.
1: I'm interested to see if you have thoughts on this question because you're, like cards. you're less of thought. a gamer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I always like cards. And then what's that little tile game that we've played a couple of Hive?
1: Hive. Yeah, we really like that. But it's kind of it's kind of an odd one. It's, it's probably a, a weird, love it or hate it game. But it's but it's kind of fun. Uh I mean, yeah, you know, for us, I'm like a big like I love board games. So I can get like real into like some super nerdy board game. So like whoever's answer, asking this question. If uh, if the two of you are like real into it, then um, <laughs> Nick has thoughts. I have thoughts. I love Twilight Struggle. That's probably my favorite two person game. We
0: have not played that together, but yet. I
1: I've yet to get Hannah to play it with me. Uh, but I do love that game. If you really looking like for Seven Wonders, more doing... casual, yeah.
0: And you can play it so they have a two person version dual, but we didn't like that as much. We actually just like playing the original The original with which you a, actually play like as, a computer player, if yeah. you will. So yeah. you play as three and then you alternate taking turns for the non existent person. So we
1: like that. And then like you said, cards. Um, we've done poker, like Texas Hold'em style. I don't play poker but with But Hannah doesn't don't lie. Doesn't love that a ton. We have done it, though. Uh, I would say most successfully Black black is is probably our our best, uh, which is kind of like Rook, if you're familiar with Rook. Um, Honestly, though, for me and you, we don't do a lot of two-person games. I would say the ways that we spend the time that someone else might do a two-person game, we would prefer to do uh, books or buddy reads. Where we're like reading a, the same book.
0: And then like talking about it. And then talking about it. Yeah. That that
1: tends to be how we do it.
0: Yeah. Um, any decent shows you've been watching? We don't do a lot of shows. Um, we, we we tend will, to. So Seinfeld. Is Seinfeld I would say. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we're so, not like very current show people. We don't do
1: a lot of current shows. Partly because I get real into them. And I don't like, I don't like spending that many hours watching TV. And I get, I get sucked in. Like I get real into it. I mean, we did the the Queen's Gambit. Oh gosh, and like a night or two. I mean, it
0: was more than one night, but it it was was like two nights. We spent way too much time watching the Queen's Gambit.
1: And so I try not to get into shows for that reason. Uh, I would much rather do. A uh, If we're going to watch something, like I love doing a random Seinfeld episode mm-hmm. because it feels like we can watch it in a vacuum and not feel like we have to watch another one. Yeah. So that tends to be what we do.
0: Yeah. We tend to gravitate towards movies if we're going to watch something just yeah. because like we can get the whole story in like a couple of hours. Totally. And, yeah. Have you read Stacked by Joe High?
1: I have not. Uh, but I have met Joe a couple of times and uh, I've gotten the privilege of having dinner with Joe And Joe's awesome, and I have no doubt that his book is really good. I just haven't had a chance to read it yet.
0: What What is it about?
1: It's just, I mean, it's a personal finance book. Okay. I mean, Um, obviously, I was like, I know it's about money. Joe's the host of a a really big personal finance podcast called Stacking Benjamins. Um, And before that, he was like the spokesperson for a a major local news station. He was like the finance guy for a while. I mean, he's been doing this for a long time, um, and he has never written a book until now. Yeah. And so, yeah, he's got it's sort of um, I think it's actually co-authored. Is it? Um, but
0: we should add that to our list. But Yeah, I'm so. sure it's good. Yeah. Have you considered writing a book?
1: Yes. Uh, but I'm not sure what about. Um,
0: well, we I mean, we've I think talked it's something about we having the back of our mind. Yeah, we've
1: talked about it. <laughs> you know, at this point, I still this is where I probably have imposter syndrome. Right. Like, I still very much feel like. Oh, I'm so young. Like I need to. I'll write a book in like 20 years, yeah. you know, or something like that. We've been
0: married for eight years, which is like a decent amount of time, but also not like a ton of time, right?
1: So it's like we've taught, we've thought about writing like a a short like marriage and money book, but at the same time, we kind of feel like imposters because I mean, we don't even have kids, and like you know, I feel like there's a lot of things in marriage that we have faced that have been hard, but there's a lot more harder things to face, the, and yeah. so giving advice feels a little bit empty to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, we could take the way that we do our coaching program and package Turn that, that into button. a book. And I've thought about doing that. Um, so I, I think one day we would like to, but it's not on the horizon in the near future.
0: What celebrity do you think your spouse could take in advice? <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I'm going to read this uh, picture that I found that I showed Hannah earlier today because I actually think this relates. Uh, this meme I saw, which I thought was really funny, it said, when I when I say I want a biblical wife, what people think I mean oh <laughs> is I want a wife who is passive and subservient. What I really mean is I want a wife who is totally willing to drive a tent spike into a tyrant's head should the opportunity arise. Uh, and then underneath it, there was this comment that said, uh, if you can't handle me at my Judges 4-5, you, you don't deserve me at my Proverbs 31. Which if if you know those stories is hilarious. But um I actually think Hannah could take on a lot. Like Hannah's What? Oh I, think you I think you so could. I think No, I think you could. I think uh I think you're pretty scrappy, you know. I think if you really like, you know, had to, I think you could take on quite a bit.
0: Oh well that's a kind answer. And to reward that kind answer, I'm gonna say that Macaulay Culkin, he wouldn't stand <laughs> a chance. Against That's you. so <laughs> insulting. I'm just kidding. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris doesn't stand a chance. Wow. There you go. That's really There's kind. There's your ultimate. <laughs> yeah. That's really kind. And the listeners can decide which one of those is closer to reality.
1: <laughs> Macaulay Culkin or <laughs> Chuck Norris uh, or somewhere in between. Oh,
0: my gosh. Okay. Um, Do you know of any deals for movie fans? We're terrible people to ask this. I,
1: I don't. I, I wish I did. I don't. Um, I will say
0: that... Um, Uh, I don't even know if they still do it anymore. This was like before COVID.
1: The movie pass thing?
0: No, AMC had $5 Tuesdays. Yes. And then they also had, it was like a dollar or $2 popcorn or something. Like you could get like a kid's popcorn and candy and maybe a drink or something. Um, It was a pretty good deal on Tuesdays. We took the nephews one time. but yeah, it was like to see Dr. Doolittle yeah. with uh, Robert Downey Jr. So like whenever that came out, I don't know if they're still I doing wish.
1: it. I really, uh, I don't even know if Pass is still a thing. If it was, I think that's a great idea. I wish they would come up with a way to do
0: that. We might have a better answer to that. Um, once
1: we get settled. Yeah, because we, to go to we like more. going to movies. We do. We really enjoy yeah. it.
0: Okay. Uh, who do you consult for business decisions or which authors, thinkers, speakers, etc. have made the greatest impact on you?
1: I am going to actually do this rapid fire because uh, I've got a bunch, okay. depending on what you're wanting to do. Uh, if you are trying to talk about management of people and leadership, I really like Jocko Willink. And um, who's the guy that wrote Five Habits of a Dysfunctional Team? Patrick Lencioni. Love love both their books. Um, if you are talking about marketing strategy and overall um, how to structure a business, I really think Gary Vaynerchuk is hard to beat in terms of the way that he thinks about marketing. If you're thinking about growing an online business, uh, Brian Harris from Growth Tools, I love um, what, what he has. And then there's all sorts of like little bitty niche things, right? So like if I'm trying to learn about growing a podcast or a YouTube channel or a Twitter feed, I will go and look at highly specific people who are like experts in their space, right? So if I'm trying to grow a course, then I think Mariah Cause is like the one of the best people that you can follow on that. Um, If I'm trying to grow um, a YouTube channel, then I'm going to follow Daryl Eves. So there's sort of a A number of people in that vein, I typically try to to go to um, very specific experts for the most part. At this point, I've read a ton of what I would call general business books that have pretty much solidified my thinking on – Overarching business thoughts, so I don't read too many more of those these days. I have the overarching frameworks. Um, Michael Hyatt would be another one for overarching business frameworks, visioning, planning, um, and that sort of thing. He also
0: talks about personal life planning. He does. He talks he, about he?
1: personal life planning a lot too, and uh, and really enjoy that. So yeah, those are those are a number of people that I would um, that I, I pay a lot of attention to. But like I said, I do try to spread my my knowledge around a lot because I think you can get to if, if you only pay attention to one or two people, then it can get um, to where you're sort of uh, holding all your your thought eggs in one basket in the same way that you yeah. don't want to put all your money in one stock. You know, I don't do all my education in one place.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um- Since you just named off like a whole bunch, I'll I'll add on here. And this is not business related, but as far as like thinkers and speakers go, like Jen Wilkin is kind of like my latest who who I've like really enjoyed stuff from. Um, And I read her book Women of the Word, and it was just excellent on like how to study the Bible. And then I'm currently reading um, None Like Him by her, so. None Like Him is the attributes of God that we're not supposed to emulate, and then In His Image is all of the attributes of God that we are called to emulate, and so um, those are kind of next on my reading list. And then she has Ten Words to Live By, which is a book on the Ten Commandments, which I'm sure is really good, too, but I haven't read it.
1: And then I would say on that vein, especially as it relates to Christian things, we really value K Arthur and Precept Ministries Bible Studies. We also really enjoy Mark Driscoll's sermons. And... Um, she reads the, truth. The Naked Marriage is Dave and David Willis. Yeah. Willis. Um and we love we love their their thoughts on marriage. Um and then yeah, as far as written, um I have the He Reads Truth Bible that I love. Um so yeah.
0: Yeah. Um and then I'm interpreting this question multiple ways, but like who do you consult for business decisions? Like you do have a mastermind oh, of like Yeah,
1: that that's um, yep. a different way to so so uh, I meet every other week every other Wednesday night with a group of three other guys that all of them are married um, all of them are Christians, everyone but me is a father and everyone runs an online business and um, it has been one of the most valuable things for me that I do. Uh, it is hands down one of the one of the best, ways that I've spent time over the last couple of years, because all of them are committed to Christ first, their wives second, their family third, and then their businesses. Mm -hmm. And because we all run very similar businesses, it's been invaluable um, to be able to get feedback. And so that has been just awesome. We do every other week, and every other week, someone new is on the, the hot seat. And so each week, we all give a brief update as to what's going on, what we said we were going to do hold each other accountable on our goals and tasks and then uh, like i said each time uh, one person for about 45 minutes to an hour is going to bring a number of problems or issues or things they want feedback on that they can get help from all of us on and so at that rate everybody gets on the hot seat about once every other month and that works out really really well so um yeah, I'm I mean, like really thankful that you have that too. Yeah.
0: yeah. And there are definitely things that come up where I'm like, oh, definitely talk to the mastermind about this. Yeah. Like, totally. Because uh, I know, I know all of those guys. Um, and obviously not as well as you do. I don't meet with them all the time, but, um, I value their opinions for sure. If you only had a napkin and ballpoint pen, how would you explain mapped out money to a stranger?
1: Yeah. So, um, well, I'll just, I'll just explain it with our, we, we have a, a business flow chart, if you will, that's sort of a business plan, and it, it can be drawn on a napkin. So uh, if you can imagine, close your eyes and just imagine what I'm going to describe, you've got a number of boxes, draw like three or four boxes at the top of your page, at the top of your napkin, and in one of the boxes put podcast, in another one of the boxes put YouTube, and another one of the boxes put Twitter, and... What's in my
0: fourth box? You just told me to draw three or four boxes. Now I have an empty box. Oh, gosh. Oh, no. (laughs) Uh,
1: A blog. We don't do a blog anymore, but it used to be a blog. Uh, It's
0: there. Yeah. Website.
1: Website. Uh, uh, Okay. So these boxes are how people find us. We put out free content on the internet, and that draws people into uh, our information. They're searching for budgeting. They're searching for finance. They're searching for whatever. And they land on our stuff, and they enjoy it. From there, if you could draw an arrow, all four of those boxes pointing to the same box underneath it called email. We push all of these people to join our email list through signing up for our newsletter that gives updates or downloading something like a, a free checklist or an ebook or signing up for our book club or whatever. And then from that email box, you can draw another two lines to two other boxes called one on one coaching and group coaching. And the vast bulk of our income comes from either doing one-on-one coaching in the way that you would hire a personal trainer or a therapist. You can hire me on an hourly basis to talk to you over Zoom about your money and help you strategize with it. And then our group coaching program is a 100-day program that you can work with us in a group setting over Zoom. And um, that's, that's how our business works. We help people manage their money And build a budget that they actually stick with and will help them achieve their goals.
0: Good answer. I always give a much more, um, I don't know, confusing answer than that, I feel like. But I think what's painful is that when you start describing it to people uh, in real life, and especially like, like my grandmother has literally never used the Internet. And so trying to explain to her like how we work and make a living using the Internet
1: well, shoot! Like, not even your grandmother trying to explain to bankers while we've been going through this loan process yeah. has been a nightmare. Yeah, I mean, the, so many people just do not understand, right? And so they'll and you you make money doing that, and it's like, well, yeah.
0: And when you're when you're explaining it to somebody too, you're always like, how far into this do I go? Like we we normally start out at like, oh yeah, we work remotely. Yep. And so most people just let it just let there. it They're drop. Like, they don't really care. Um, and then if anybody asks beyond that, then you kind of like, you kind of like dole it out in layers.
1: Yeah. I'll I go. Like. Normally no I will say, I help people, uh, you know, manage their money. I coach them on their budget. So like a financial advisor and I go, no, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, and then you do, you start explaining it and, and they just, they think they, they think you're some sort of scammer and I go, people pay you for financial advice? I was like, yeah.
0: I don't even know that you they know? think like you're a scammer. Just, just like just random people on the internet find you and like, like want you to coach them. And yeah, it's like, so well, like, yeah, but like we put out content. So people like kind of know us, but uh, people just, so, it's like, just for funny. example,
1: for the loan process, um, they asked me to write a letter, a signed letter to state how our business would be impacted f- with moving from Alabama to Tennessee. And so I'm trying to explain that all of our clients are all over the world. We have clients in like nine different countries and none of them care where I live. All I need is an internet connection. And in fact, moving to Tennessee is going to help our business because I have no state income tax. And so we're going to make more money, you know, and it's just like,
0: yeah, but where are these people going to come to meet you? And you're like on the internet, (laughs) on the
1: internet, the same place that you're emailing me from right now. Yeah, it's funny.
0: So it's a funny thing. Uh, Food is getting more expensive. What are your go-to meals slash tips for managing the food? or eating out budget. I don't know that we have any great ones.
1: I don't, we're not great at this. And, and I would say that it's partly because we do prioritize our health. And so to a certain extent, we're going to buy the food that we're going to buy. And we're going to cut from other places. In order to make that a priority. Yeah. And so that really does come down to our our priorities. And we're just going to will cut. say
0: counting macros cuts our grocery budget just because you eat less. Because I eat
1: less. Yeah. So that definitely helps. <laughs> I would say count macros or calories or whatever. I definitely <laughs> eat less uh, when I'm counting. <laughs> um, and then, you know, legitimately we're eating out less right now. Like we already had that conversation of like once we got through the move, we're going to be eating out less because um, we don't want to spend more per month eating out and everything has gotten more expensive, mm-hmm. which means, uh, we're just going to go less times. So yeah, to a certain extent, I don't have a lot of great tips other than counter macros and, um, you know, actually look at the budget before you go to the grocery store and enforce yourself to actually stick with it.
0: How do you explore a new city research tactics beforehand and prioritizing what to do, et cetera? I, okay, I would say, I mean, this isn't like a very strategic answer, but I think Instagram is Instagram like a Instagram's actually part of great. Yeah.
1: Instagram's really good.
0: So we definitely like the, the two times that we've been moving somewhere different. But also when we visit somewhere in the Airstream, like we find bookstores in that area well, to follow I on Instagram is, or what coffee shops. I, I
1: literally go to Instagram and I will type in the name of the city.
0: And
1: uh, like I did this last year when we were kind of like toying around with the idea of Cookville. Mm -hmm. Um, I typed in Cookville on Instagram and you can search by location. And so then you can literally find like the top popular photos in that location, which is always going to be somewhere cool. So you click on those and then you can find, oh, there's a cool coffee shop. There's a cool brewery. There's a cool bookstore. There's this like fun thing to do. There's this class. And so like Knoxville is a big enough city where there's all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And so there's actually, like, I mean, they're smart as I'll get out. There's this real estate group in Knoxville that they have this Instagram called New to Knox. And they have these two girls, and I don't even think they're like in real estate. I think that they're (laughs) just, they just got hired to do social media for this real estate group. Uh, And literally, all they seem to do every day is like go around Knoxville and eat at cool places. I know we
0: should have gotten this job. I, I know, know, it's we cool. That job. <laughs> and
1: uh, and post on Instagram about it and like here's all the fun things you should be doing in Knoxville. And
0: it works. Like it we're, works. We're, we're like, paying attention to yeah. it. Um, That's how we found out about Addison's bookshop that totally. I talked about on the last episode. So
1: I mean, Instagram has been I I'd say definitely our number one resource for finding cool things to do and explore.
0: That makes it sound so basic. So basic. Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then honestly, we uh, the other thing I would say is we try to walk around a ton. Yeah. And so uh, my number one tip for exploring a new city is get on your feet. Um, and do you have any other specific
0: car? research tactics like beforehand? Our our decisions have been so driven by. Well, so, like, we moved to Fairhope just because we visited there in the Airstream and just loved it. And so we moved there. And then, really, we didn't do much research on Knoxville because it was like, well, that's a that's family. That's where family is. Yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, we did a little bit, though. We Because we we explored some. Of we did some research on towns around it. And we're yeah. trying to decide where we would go and if we would go, you know, in Knoxville or somewhere nearby. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, honestly, I, I do get on forums. And so I will. I, I typically just type into Google, like, Um, fun things to do in this. And normally you get those like kind of annoying sites that are like top 10 things to do and they're, they're not (laughs) not very very good. good. So I kind of, I skip through that. I'll try to find something on Reddit or uh, a forum and normally you can find some, some much better ideas in there.
0: How do you meet new people in real life with potential of a lasting relationship? I mean, um, I would say this is probably a little bit cheesy, but the places that have worked the best for us, like in Fairhope Hope, were church and working out. And there was actually a major overlap. The people that, I, I we that we were I think your pottery studio would
1: have had we stayed living there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But yeah. so the way I would think about this is what are some of my core values that I hold dear? The type of people who also believe those things, where will they be? Mm-hmm. And that's the question you want to ask yourself because we have not met, you know, cool, lasting relationships, um, doing certain things. But like where like the gym, for example, we really, really value our health.
0: Yeah. And we went to a 530 a.m. workout class. So
1: which filters for a whole different level of people.
0: Yeah. And uh, I mean, everybody there, like we just loved them all. And we're super sad to like leave. them. Everybody
1: at that 530 class was like um, taking their, I would say, their whole life seriously. Yeah, Right. And so um, none of them are not that, you know, whatever. Anyways, like I was just going to say like, you know, none of them are out like partying all the time and like not like taking their life seriously and yeah. not being responsible. Like, Every
0: single one of them was somebody that I felt like, oh man, we, we have a lot that we, we could like, learn from this person. Yes. yes.
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, asking that question of like, where the type of people that would believe the same types of things that I believe hang out? Because you know, we didn't have business in common necessarily with the people at that gym. Like nobody else ran a business on YouTube like ours, but we had core values around our health. And then luckily at that particular gym, we had a lot of core values around our, our faith as well. Yeah. Um,
0: to get even more cheesy, I will say, um, God just orchestrated like, like in particular meeting with Dylan and Molly from Woodbrew was really cool. So, um, if you have not heard of Wood Brew, you should go look them up. They do like awesome YouTube videos yes, a YouTube channel, Instagram. on DIY woodworking projects. Yep. And Dylan actually messaged Nick with a YNAB question. And then Nick started looking at him and saw that he had a YouTube channel and then figured out that they lived in Fairhope. And it was literally when we were under contract for our house in yeah. Fairhope. I was and, like, we
1: were in the process of moving. I yeah. texted and I was like... Uh, first off, here's your answer to your wine app question. Second off, do you live in Fairhope? in Fair And yeah. he's like, "Yeah, I grew up here." I was like, "Dude, we're like buying a house here." Um, and so that was like so. I mean, we couldn't have orchestrated that. No. That was so, yeah. you know. Um, but uh, but you know, to a certain extent, it's it's putting yourself in a position for other people who believe similar things to you or, or have interesting things would would recognize yeah that. So
0: totally, I think so too, and. Um, Gosh, just along those same lines, going back to your mastermind group, um, so we met two of those guys at a conference in Boise, what was it, three years ago now?
1: 2018.
0: Okay. So like four years ago? Yeah. Um, And yeah, I mean, you just kind of stayed in touch with them mm-hmm. a little bit and then one of them kind of orchestrated this mastermind group and now i mean like those are some of your deepest friendships mm-hmm. so you and know, one that's of the guys lives been, in knoxville Yes,
1: it's like totally It's just yeah, been really cool bizarre. and again
0: one of those things that like ah, oh, that was a total god thing that we just so happened to meet them mm-hmm. in boise so that's cool um and that that's turned into a an in real life friendship instead of just online um okay co-working space update this is the last thing.
1: This is the last, the last question. So, yeah, I mean, we have um, a number of questions that I'll summarize. I won't read them all, but just people kind of asking. Okay, we had mentioned in our email that we're buying a co-working space. They want to hear what the plans are for it, what we're thinking, um, what's going on, and you know, also some financial side. We had some people asking like how do you foresee mitigating risk and like stewarding a space like that? And how do you plan for all these new expenses in your budget? Um, Do you just add more categories? Like, how are you thinking about this? So I'll I'll start off and maybe just give a quick update, knowing that like, this all could still fall through. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that that is accurate. uh, You know, I won't give you all the details of the history because it's long and boring. But had a number of hoops we're having to jump through, partly because of the market cycles right now and the economy and like everything tanking and banks being stressed out about lending, partly uh, because the space is a mixed use building. And so we people were, don't
0: really know what to do. with People it.
1: don't really know what to do with it. They're, they don't know how to appraise it. Um, we were trying to get a residential loan and that was supposed to work, but now it isn't. So now we're having to get a commercial loan. It's been kind of a whole mess but the the way the building is if it works we're very excited about it it is a 4000 square foot property the downstairs imagine a large open room with you know tables and couches and things for co-working
0: i'll also add the downstairs is a little bit bigger it than is, the it's upstairs. slightly bigger it's not a 50-50 it's not exactly split, 50-50
1: yeah. um i think the technical square footage is like 4300 and the downstairs is like 23 um so, so down, downstairs, large open space with a small kitchenette and a bathroom and a shower. And then off of that space, there's five offices. Three of those offices are currently leased out to other business owners. Uh, one of them is a guy in the mastermind group. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the other two are other local sort of Knoxville folks. Um, and... Two of the other rooms, the vacant offices, one is a dedicated recording studio. It has sound stuff on the walls. Like, it's the the people who own the building right now run a podcast out of it. Um, so it'd be awesome for us. And then the other one is just another vacant office that we would use for mapped out money, probably to shoot videos in.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Upstairs is a uh, two apartments, two two-bedroom, one-bath apartments. Now, they're not exactly the same square footage. One is quite a bit bigger than the other. And they're currently both getting used for short-term rentals on Airbnb. Our plan is to live in the smaller unit and Airbnb short-term rental, the other unit. I have been crunching the numbers in spreadsheets like crazy. I even hired a, uh, a guy that I found on Twitter. See, look, another online business making yeah. money. Yep. Uh, hired a guy I found on Twitter to analyze the property for me. And uh, long story short, our goal is if all this works, the goal will be that the property – basically breaks even while we're living there. So we would live effectively mortgage free, the building would cover uh, all of its expenses, uh, including the mortgage and everything. And then once we move out and buy a a house in a few years, then we would turn around and start short term renting the apartment we had been living in, at which point the building would start cash flowing and, and produce some money. So That's what we're planning to do. The downstairs, our goal is to uh, also do a co-working space in the downstairs area as well as leasing out those other offices.
0: Well, and it was already set up. It's set up for that.
1: There's just not a lot of people The current owner
0: just hadn't been doing... Really pursued that. Yeah, hadn't been marketing it that way um, and really gotten people to sign up for that. Um, So somebody had asked like my my design vision for the space, um, especially the co-working space, um, I don't know that i have anything great for the co-working space other than because it's already like i said largely set up mm-hmm. and right now we're so um, budget focused on it you know it's like okay get it up running get people paying yeah this to is gonna be things. very very
1: tight if it all goes through yeah so,
0: so I, I won't have a lot of like play money to do a lot of fun things um but I will say I i am looking forward to the future to being able to incorporate um, some different like antique pieces that uh-huh. I've always wanted, but I've never had the space to put them. So um, I, if anybody likes antiques, maybe they'll know what I'm talking about. But there are these huge like wooden map cabinets and I think like architecture cabinets. Um, but the old ones are really pretty and like solid wood. And I've seen them at several different antique places and they'll be like a couple of thousand dollars. Like they are not cheap um, and I've always loved them, but we've never had a space like, yeah, like where are you gonna big enough yeah. to accommodate that. And I think that we could incorporate that kind of thing into the co-working space and, um, and figure out like a good use for it and that that would be cool. And I think like, I think using the person who this is like a hundred year old building and the current owner, um, you know, redid it to be, like, the co-working in offices downstairs. And they're kind of, how would you describe it? Like a grunge, modern
1: vibe? Yeah. I yeah. don't know.
0: Um, like, Knoxville has this section of the city called the Old City. And I think I think our building feels very Old City. Yes. Like, a little agree bit grunge. Yep. But has this, like, fun, modern, like, hip, things are happening kind of vibe. Um, and so I think that antiques... Mixed into that, I really like it. Like it adds a lot of warmth. I think to kind of the modern kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and, or urban. I don't know. I don't know exactly. I how know what you're saying. But um, anyway, so I like the idea of mixing in some antique stuff in there. And then also, I'm like, I'm like kind of hesitant to say this, just because like I kind of want to hold it close to my chest, just from like a. Well, uh, don't say it. Okay, I won't say it. I won't say it. Some of some of like the creative, like design stuff, I like to I like to keep so that I don't know. I get like um, if I share too much about it, then I, I make myself like freak out about it and like put weird expectations on it, and so then I get scared to try stuff. Yeah. So Nick says, "Don't say it." so I won't say it.
1: Yeah, we have lots of exciting ideas. For yeah. it That maybe one day if we'll they, be able to share they, pictures of. If they work, um, yeah.
0: I'll share them, and I'll I'll try to be good and share them even if they don't work be like yep tried this thing this is something that we tried so uh
1: but yeah you know as far as the finances are concerned as far as how do we plan for this um, I'm reading books. Like I'm reading a book right now about multifamily property investing. I've got a book lined up to read on short-term rental investing. I'm reading forums on short-term stuff. Just I'm trying, putting together
0: <laughs> mood boards on Milanote. <laughs>
1: <laughs> trying to educate myself is adding more value as yeah. much as possible. Well, you're going to add a ton of value because <laughs> for this short-term rental to make money, it needs to be a desirable design, well-looking, good space to live. I cannot do any of that. Uh, I can make the math work, so we're a good team. But. Uh, You know, really, I'm trying to just educate myself on all the things that could go wrong, and then making sure I'm building out categories in the budget for those things. Um, Because this is a investment property, not just a home for us. We're actually going to be setting this up in its own thing, like this building will have its own LLC it will have its own bank accounts, and it will have its own budget. And we're going to run this like a business. And so it's, it's way more than just simply adding a few categories to the budget, it is really trying to build it out in a proper way, so that it manages itself and operates that way. So a lot of a lot of moving parts with it, but we're very excited about it. Um, Um,
0: Last thing I'll say with like, the design kind of aspect is like when it comes to the the airbnbs especially like we're thinking about things in phases so mm-hmm. like i said like our phase 1 is just like get it furnished to the point where we can we get can people the in property. there we can property yeah um and whether that's for the co-working space or for the short term rental um just get it up and functional and then i think um after it's been running for a little bit we'll go in and make it a lot cooler and so like the so the tennessee vols um mascot is a coonhound And um, so we've kind of had this idea, like, I don't want to have a blatantly, like, Tennessee Vols short-term rental. Just
1: orange everything. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, that's not my vibe. But we've kind of been thinking of, like, a hound dog hideaway and kind of using, like, vintage, um, smoky, the coon dog mascot as kind of, like, a jumping off point.
1: Yeah, a uh, a, a muse for it. Yeah. What's the – and, and kind of
0: like woodsy, woodsy tones, I think. Yeah. Like, yeah, so I've got like, you know, some color boards that I'm kind of thinking about and like ways to incorporate that and make it, make it um, that there's a Tennessee Falls undercurrent because I definitely think like this is something that people might rent like during football season to come mm-hmm. to a football game or whatever. So I think it's fun to have that as an element without it being like jump in your face, Tennessee Falls. Totally. You know what I mean? And also like we're Alabama fans, so but I can get behind a dog. <laughs> so, you know, I, a dog, I don't care if it's affiliated with Tennessee. I well, and
1: I'm them. I'm not a diehard anything fan, so know, I'm, I'm agnostic and will take your money for <laughs> staying at my place, uh, whatever your sports team there is. There you go. Uh, the last thing I'll say about this, actually going back to the last question of like, how do you meet new people in real life? Not everybody has the ability to do this. So I recognize it's kind of ridiculous thing for me to suggest, but- um, I read a book many years ago called Mastermind Dinners by Jason. Oh, what is his name?
0: I know who you're uh, talking Gaynard,
1: about. Jason Gainerd, um, and he talked about how one of his best strategies for this is more of a networking thing, but still just like even you know making new friendships uh, is if you don't know that many people, just be the place where people gather. And I think that that's one of our hopes with this is we're moving to Knoxville with this long-term mindset of being here and building community here and um, building relationships here. And we're excited about the potential for being able to use this building for hosting Bible study groups or things that our church might want to use it for or birthday parties as well as also – Having a co-working area where we can meet other like-minded people who run businesses and and be able to be a place where the people that we want to be around want to gather.
0: Yeah, I think even just from like the co-working space element and like even the people renting offices downstairs, um, even if we're not like super duper friends with them or something, it's just nice to be around people who have that kind of like business owner energy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there's a lot that that you understand. Um, when you own a business that maybe other people don't understand. Yep. And so then if some of these people are also running an online business, then like that's even better. Cause like, like I mentioned Dylan and Molly from, from Woodbrew, you know, that was like this instant connection point, you know, they were like, Oh my gosh, people don't understand what we do. And we're like, Oh my gosh, people don't understand what we do either. And that's like kind of this connection point. Um, so I think it's, it's nice to be around um, the energy of people doing things that you want to do too.
1: Totally. Yeah, totally. So, um, that's our personal life update um we still have yet to get the appraisal on the building so all of this may go yeah nowhere. so we
0: were supposed to be we were supposed to close today <laughs> yes, on it so we are not this, yeah. it so this is like it's like june 17th right now um and we're supposed to close towards the end of july now so we'll see
1: yeah appraisal supposed to happen mid-july and uh depending on what happens there we'll determine the fate of this building or not yep so, uh, I don't think we need to do a stuff we like today, since this whole episode is basically <laughs> stuff we like. But very uh, long
0: answers to stuff we like thank, in that rapid fire round. Thank you round. so
1: much for listening. Uh, we really do appreciate you, and uh, we'll see you next week.
0: See ya.